in it. Uh, it's 1 Peter uh, chapter 2, verse 11 to 25. And before we begin, let me pray. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word um, and for how it still speaks to us, Lord, your people, and how it tells us about the hope that we have in this world. Um, Lord, I just pray that you would teach us, Lord, as we read Um, Please help Anton as he preaches today, Lord, to preach faithfully um, and truthfully from your words, Lord. And I pray that you would give us ears to hear, Lord, and hearts that will obey. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, 1 Peter, uh, chapter 2, verse 11. Dear friends, I urge you, as aliens and strangers in the world, to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that, though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every authority instituted among men, whether to the king as the supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish men. Live as free men, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as servants of God. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the brotherhood of believers. Fear God. Honor the king. Slaves, submit yourselves to your masters with all respect, not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. For it is commendable if a man bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because he is conscious of God. But how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. To this you were called, because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Well, good morning if you haven't met me before. Anton is my name. Uh, like Sam, Shanshan, and Jasmine and Elijah, I'm also one of your uh, missionary partners, uh, along with my family, Angus and Annika. Uh, but instead of going overseas uh, to Taiwan, to, to any part of the world, uh, I get to meet students from overseas um, at Griffith Uni Nathan campus. And my mission is really to proclaim Jesus to these overseas students and to grow them in the Lord Jesus. Uh, yeah, this morning is a privilege for me uh, just to be able to bring the Word of God uh, to all of us this morning. And just in case you're not here in the last uh, three to four weeks, we've been doing a sermon series called The Resilient Hope uh, from an ancient letter, part of the Bible, called 1 Peter. Uh, so this morning, uh, we're going to pick up the series from 1 Peter chapter 2, uh, 11 to 25. So if you have your Bible ready, that would be great. Uh, but before we continue, please join me in prayer again. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you that your 
we are able to meet together in this place uh, this, in this morning in whatever condition of life we might have, Lord. We pray that as we open up the Bible, uh, we will get to meet your Son, Jesus Christ, that we will experience His love, His mercy, His grace. Give us ears to listen to your word, and we pray that our hearts will be changed, will be challenged, but also will be comforted by your word. For the sake of your Son, we pray. Amen. Okay. Hopefully this one working now. Yeah, it works. Uh, I'm not sure if you know this game, Odd One Out. Um, basically, you get three or more related items, uh, and you, you have to find the item that is not rela- related at all. It's really straightforward. And kids, I think you've been playing this game when you were little. Uh, probably not exactly the same, but similar. Uh, but I'm not sure if you ever felt that way, right? Uh, like the game, you just feel you don't fit anywhere. Maybe the way you dress is a bit odd. Um, maybe the way you talk is a bit odd. The type of food you eat maybe really interesting. Um, and so you feel you're a stranger to a particular group of people. Uh, this was very true for me uh, when first time I came to Australia a long time ago, uh, about 20 years ago. I was a stranger in this country, right? Um, the feeling being in different country, a different kind of dress they, they uh, use, a different kind of language. Uh, it's not English, it's Australian. <laughs> in, interesting kind of food. Uh, Vegemite, for example, like I think Ezekiel talked about it uh, last week. And for me, back then, the tension was either to conform, uh, to be more Australians, or to climb together with my Indonesian friends, right? So that was the tension, to conform to be more Australians or to climb together with Indonesian friends. This was also the experience of Christians in 1 Peter. Um, a bit of context, right? No, not working again. A- anyway, next slide. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we have already learned from chapter 1, this letter was, was written by a guy called uh, Peter. He was one of Jesus' disciples. Uh, and he's writing to a bunch of Christians scattered around in, in a lot of places. They are exiles, as we are told in chapter 1. They were dislocated. Uh, they were removed uh, from their homeland. They are strangers now, living in places where very different to where they used to live. Uh, maybe different culture, again, different type of food, different type of clothing. So in that context, Peter is using this, their physical experience, being strangers, to point them to a greater experience as strangers in the world. Uh, while they wait for the return of the Lord. Um, uh, last week, our brother Ezekiel did a sermon about who we are as Christians. We are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. We were once not a people, but we are now people of God. We had not received mercy, but now we have received mercy. Uh, in a nutshell, Christians, we are not who we were used to be. All right? We, we are now living as strangers in the world. And Peter is reminding, is reminding these Christians of that new identity. So he begins in chapter 2, uh, verse 11, addressing them as, as exiles, as strangers, or aliens, foreigners, or sojourners. Uh, he is saying to these Christians, and also this, to us this morning, that you know, we're just passing through. Right? We don't belong here. We, we belong somewhere else. All right? This is not our permanent place. We're just holding, if you will, a temporary visa. Um, 
it's like if you ever go to another country, like you, you apply a visa, maybe one or th- two months or three months, then eventually when that visa expired, uh, you will need to come back to your home country, right? Uh, well, in a similar way, we will only stay in this world for a certain period of time. Some people may ha- have only two months um, temporary visa in this world, while others may have 96 years, like you know our Queen Elizabeth II, for example. The point is that we only have a temporary visa. One day, if you're a Christian, if you have put your trust in Jesus, we will go to our permanent place, receiving the salvation being kept for us in heaven, as we are told back in chapter 1. Now, of course, even though as Christians, uh, we know it in our head, you know, yes, we don't belong to this world, we are strangers, but what about in our hearts? Right? Deep down in our hearts, the tension is still real, isn't it? We're still stuck in our day-to-day life in this world, sometimes encouraging, but other times just very challenging. It's still very hard to live in the world that is not a big fan of Jesus. And we know it's not going to get any better. Right? Uh, it's not going to get any better. It's going to get harder and harder. Uh, Christians are being seen as the bad guys. It's so challenging and so hard. And sometimes we're asking, when will Jesus return? Can he just come and make everything right? Can, can we just be with Jesus uh, right now? Um, it's kind of like my kids. Next slide. No. Yep. Um, my kids or your kids asking on the very long trip, uh, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Well, the answer is not yet, and your kids still need to be in the car. Uh, maybe they feel, feel bored, nothing to do. Uh, all you can do is maybe put more cocoa melon songs, more snacks to eat, more games to play. And we can only say, hanging hang there, guys. You know, the best holiday destination is yet to come. Uh, well, that's basically what Peter is saying to these Christians, right? Uh, We are not there yet. You're still stuck in this world. Yes, you may feel uncomfortable right now, but the best destination is yet to come, heaven. Jesus will definitely return and put everything right again. And so while they're waiting for the Lord Jesus to return, Peter is encouraging these Christians to live in such a way that their manner, their actions match up with their message. You know, he doesn't encourage them to conform to the society where they live in. He doesn't also tell them to maybe clump together in a cave or or a mountain, living with just a bunch of Christians. No, Peter actually wants the opposite. He wants them to remain in the society, to do life together, even when it's really challenging. And we know it's really challenging, as we can see in verse 12. These people are slanderous. They accuse Christians for doing bad things. And a bit of context here, at this time, in that society, Christians were being mocked a lot because of their belief. All right? For example, they were slandered as cannibals, right? Cannibals, because they eat the body of Christ and drink the blood of Jesus. They were accused of trying to topple down the government by having another king, King Jesus, instead of King Caesar, the emperor of Rome. Also, unlike any other pagan religions, Christians, they don't have a temple anymore at this time, right? They never bring sacrifices when they meet together. And so this was seen as a threat to the peace between the pagan gods and human beings. And so with all that background, it it was very hard 
thing to do to live as a Christians. And Peter understands that. That's why he's encouraging them not to run away from it, but to live a good life in that society. And there is a purpose for that. Have a look in uh, verse 12 there. Um, I'll read it. Uh, Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Now, when it says the day he visits us, most likely he's talking about uh, Jesus coming back again for the second time. Uh, it is the day of judgment. And Peter is hopeful here about the possibility of these people, skeptics, slanders, uh, to come and to be saved, that they may glorify God on the day of judgment because they have seen the way uh, Christians live their lives. Okay, Peter is not saying here, just simply by observing uh, the way Christians live their lives, people can be saved, right? It's kind of like a popular quote. I'm not sure if you heard uh, this quote before. Uh, It's often attributed uh, to uh, St. Francis of Assisi in 13th centuries. Uh, Here's the quote. Next. No. Yeah. Preach the gospel at all times. Use words if necessary, right? Really? Can you do that? You know, the quote is assuming that you can preach the gospel without any words. And that doesn't make sense, does it? Of course, you can only preach, you can only proclaim the gospel when you proclaim the gospel with words. That's why we send missionaries, you know, uh, around the world, so that people can hear the gospel being proclaimed. And, and Peter is not denying that as well. Back in chapter 1, he was very clear that People have been born again. People are being saved through the preaching of the word. So it's not just enough, you know, just to live Christianly, right? And expect people to become Christians. Yes, living a good life can be a starting point for the unbelievers to come to know Jesus, but they can only know Jesus fully through the hearing of the word. Um, Imagine this. In front of you, right, you have a, a pot, and then you put a lot, of, a lot of soils in it. And every day you wake up in the morning, you put water, and then you go to sleep. And then the next morning again, you put a lot of water inside that pot uh, with the soil. And you start mixing and mixing again. Repeat it again. Every day you do the same. But no matter how hard you try, if you don't plant any seed, it's not going to produce anything, right? You will end up with a big pile of mud. In a similar way, as we meet unbelievers, no matter how presentable is your life, no matter how good is your behavior, being nice to them, maybe not, not being a jerk, if we never ever plant the imperishable seed of the Word of God, if we don't preach or share or proclaim the gospel, no matter how hard you try, they will never grow into a beautiful tree. Again, I'm not saying that we shouldn't wash our life, right? Uh, because there's a sense that our manner, that is the way we live our lives, needs to match up with the message that we bring. And when we do that, as a result, uh, we will stand out from the crowd, from the society. We'll, we'll be the odd one out. It's like the game, right? The odd one out. Or should I say the odd one in? Since we are now in Jesus, not out of him. And Peter will give us uh, examples. What does it look like to stand out? What does it look like to live a good life in the society? How are we to be different? 
And Peter will spend basically the rest of chapter 2, but also a little bit in chapter 3 about that. Uh, but this morning we're going to be covering examples only in chapter 2. Um, okay, firstly, Christians are to be different uh, to stand out by the way we struggle with our sins. Have a look in verse uh, 11 there. Uh, we told there our Christians are to abstain from sinful desires that wage war against the soul. Friends, Peter is, is being re- realistic here, right? He knows that all of us are still stuck in this flesh, you know. After we become Christians, we still live with this flesh, in this sinful flesh. Fleshly desires sometimes um, being translated that way. And there's always a tension between abstaining from what our flesh wants as opposed to obeying what God wants. I think that's why Peter is using the language war there. If you have a look there, there's a, a war language. That is, our fleshly, our sinful desires have capacity to wedge war, really to bring us down, our soul, our emotions, down to the valley of guilt and shame. And so it's a battle for every Christian, every single day. It doesn't matter whether you have just become Christian one day or two weeks or three years or 20 years. We are all still in the battle. Every single day we wake up in the morning, we are at war with ourselves, with our fleshly sinful desires. And that's just being reality of a Christian, right? That's just the reality of being a Christian. Christians, uh, because of Jesus, we are who we are. We belong to Jesus now. We have been saved because of him. But we are also who we are, we are yet to be. We're not there yet. We're still in this flesh. We're still struggling with our sins. Um, it is hard, isn't it? Sometimes, sometimes we get it. But other times we fail into the same sinful behaviors. Over and over again. And we ask him to ourselves, why? Why I still do this, that stupid thing? You know? Why I kept falling into the same sinful behaviors? I've been Christians many years, 20 years, but why still that particular sin? And we end up feeling shameful and guilty about it. And so we condemn ourselves for doing such thing over and over again. But condemnations is not going to change me. In many ways, it's going to bring me down deeper and deeper in the valley of shame and guilt. This morning, I want to suggest there's another way to see it. As you fall into the same sinful behaviors over and over again. I mean, I chatted with a couple of students at uni. They always have struggled with particular sins. In the past, I was just like, condemn them, right? Like, uh, why, why you did such stupid things? You've been like Christians for 10 years, you've been Christians for 20 years, why? Um, but I just realized it's not going to be really helpful uh, for these students, but also to yourselves as you fall into the same sinful behaviors. Um, there's another way to see it, and I want to suggest this morning, be curious, right? As you fall into the same sinful behaviors, be curious. Um, we can learn to be more curious instead of being condemning. Now, I'm not saying that we should just justify the sinful behaviors, but if we only focus on stopping the sinful behaviors, we can end up becoming legalistic Christians. It's all about not doing stuff and doing stuff. All right? But instead, we can dig deeper. Let, let's see what's inside our hearts. What's, what motivates us? 
And I know this is not an easy job, right? It's not an easy job. It's a slow process. It's a journey rather than a destination. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm an angry person. Um, you can ask my wife about it, but she's not here. But next week, if she's here, you can ask her about it. Uh, I just get upset easily, right? Uh, from uh, not arriving on time to, be, to a meeting, to small things like the kids don't want to be brushed, um, the traffic is bad, someone just, you know, changed lane without putting a blinker. I just get really upset. Um, now, I found out that I get upset easily because I don't want to feel powerless. That's really what's inside my heart. It, it, it makes sense, right? I don't want to feel powerless because growing up, I was being bullied a lot, right? I was not in a position of power. And so part of me, I've been craving for power. I, I need more power, craving for control. So when I don't get that, when I, I, when I can't really control my, my situations, um, my circumstances, for example, I will feel powerless, right? And I will get upset because of that. Why did I get upset? Because I want to feel more powerful. Okay, of course, knowing all that, okay, I understand, like, why did I keep repeating the sinful behaviors? It's, it doesn't change me straight away, right? I still get upset easily. Well, hopefully uh, less now. Um, but I know I'm still struggling with my sins. I'm still struggling with this anger. And I still need God's mercy. I still need God's help in this journey. But I know it, it is now quicker, a lot quicker to repair uh, the relationship with others. And I can quickly know exactly why I got upset in the first place. Um, and that's really, if you keep repeating the same sinful behaviors, please don't condemn yourself. Just be curious. Be curious, like, what's going on in your heart? Maybe something happened in the past um, that you can actually be curious and be, be gracious to yourself. So that's the first way to stand up in the slanderous society. Like, let's, let's be real. Let's be honest with ourselves as we're struggling with our sins. As, you know, when we try to abstain from, from all these sinful behaviors, it's, it's, it's not just another checklist to do. You know, oh, you know, tick, I've done this, I've done that. But you've got you to gotta be curious about why we do what we do. And hopefully through that journey, unbelievers will see that sometimes Christians, we get it together. But other times we don't, we don't get it, you know. And that's okay. That's why we need Jesus. Um, okay. Secondly, how to stand out in the slender society. Peter is giving us a very practical examples here uh, in the relationship with uh, the authorities, right? Uh, Christians uh, are, are called to submit to every human authority for the Lord's sake. Uh, we are told in verse uh, 13 and 14. Uh, every human institutions are placed by God to exercise justice, uh, to bring a public order. And, and that's really a good thing. Um, and at that time in, in 1 Peter, uh, Christians uh, were accused of not, of not respecting the emperor for having King Jesus. And, and Peter is saying, uh, do good in that society so that all these foolish people who accuse Christians... Uh, will be silenced, as we can see there in, in verse uh, 15. Uh, that is, they cannot find a good reason to accuse a Christian anymore. Uh, 
Yes, in the sense, Christians, we are free people. You know, mentioned in verse 16, uh, we belong to God, so we don't need to be afraid of our government. Um, the, the stuff that we do or, or don't do in relation to any human authority in this world will not change the salvation we have. But we should not use our freedom to do evil in the society because we are servants of God, as we are told there. We live under God. God is our ultimate king, ultimate authority. We do good because of God, because he sees everything that we do. Uh, you know, a couple of years back, uh, when I was obviously a student, uh, life was tough, you know, no money, right? So uh, whatever uh, I, you know, I do, I try to get more money, right? So um, whenever the tax return time, oh, this is so good. This is the, the time that I can actually get more money. Um, and I actually got, really got, got tempted you know, to actually cheat to, you know, just claim, uh, claim this, claim that. You know, government probably not going to uh, find out about it. Um, there's some loopholes that you can, you can figure out that you can uh, get more money um, during tax return time. Uh, but I know God sees, you know. He sees everything. He knows inside my heart. Friends, fearing God should be above everything, right? And so we are called to submit to our government under God, not because... They have power, not because government has power to punish us. I mean, that's true. Uh, when we do wrong things, government will punish us. But we submit to them, really, because, because of God. And I, I know some of you probably ask, you know, what, what about if you live during Hitler time, right? You have a time machine, you go to Hitler time. Or how about if you're Christians in, in Russia right now, right? How do they submit to the government? Should Christians even submit? All right? Well, the quick answer is yes. All right? Because even the corrupt government, they seek to punish those who do evil and praise those who do good, as we can see earlier in, in verse 14. Uh, Peter is arguing even pagan authorities maintain uh, some sort of law and order. All right? Things like punishment for robbery or murder and the like. Uh, and we should submit to them as long as what they punish as wrong is what God thinks is wrong. But for example, you, you invited time machine and then you live in Hitler time. Uh, if Hitler asks you to let him know where is your Jewish friends live uh, so that he can kill them, or if, I don't know how to say his name, Vladimir Putin, Putin uh, you know him. Um, if he asks you to give information, right, uh, so that he can advance the war even more uh, to kill more people, then of course at that point you, you should say no, right? You should say no. I think at the very basic of Peter's argument is concluded in verse uh, 17 there. Um, this, is, this is good for public order as we submit to government. So show uh, proper respect to everyone, love the family of believers, fear God and honor the emperor. And that's how we stand out in the slanderous society. But then again, you probably ask, you know, you, you don't have to be Christians, right? You don't have to be Christians in order to submit to government. A lot of our non-Christian friends are probably better in the way they submit to government, especially if, if we live in this world, uh, sorry, in this country, Australia, everything seems to be in order, or it feels like in order. And so the next bit is probably more difficult to do if you... Uh, not a Christian. Uh, Peter continues showing us 
uh, how do we stand out in the slander society as we relate to another authority? Uh, he gives an example of servant and master relationship starting from verse uh, 18. Um, Peter is calling uh, a, particular, a particular group of people uh, as slaves or servants. Okay, quickly just a note that slavery in Roman Empire was very different to our modern day slavery, uh, but I won't go into details this time. Uh, perhaps the similar relationship that we can think of in our modern day is probably the, the relationship between employers and, and employees. And we can all can learn uh, you know, the principle that Peter is, is saying there in verse 18. Uh, slaves or servants or, or workers or employees in reverent fear of God submit yourselves to your masters or your bosses or your team leaders, uh, not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. Now, in summary, Peter is really saying as workers, uh, as employees, we don't respond differently on the basis of our employer's character. You know, just because our boss are, bosses are nice to us, then we work a lot harder. Right? Uh, but when they're harsh to us, we don't work hard anymore. No, he actually is saying we need to respond the same. <laughs> we need to obey our boss even when they treat us unjustly. Okay, again, I'm not saying that you must do everything that your boss tells you to do. Um, for example, if your boss tells you what kind of cereals you should eat, then obviously you don't need to submit to that. Um, even if you work in a particular brand of cereal company, you don't have the obligations to eat that particular brand of cereal. Or if your boss tells you to lie so that the company would gain more money, then should you still obey them? We're, well, we're told in verse uh, 18, we obey our boss uh, in reference fear of God. It's the same principle as we talked earlier, right? As Christians, first and foremost, we must put our fear of God above everything. God is the ultimate boss, if you like, ultimate authority. Uh, if your employer tells you to do something, something that is evil, something that is go against your Christian faith, then you must not obey them, right? But if it's not, then you must obey them and do what they ask you to do, even when they're treating you unjustly because of your faith. And I know it's going to be hard, right? It's going to be hard. It's, it's, I don't deny that. But it's not impossible. It's almost impossible, but it's not impossible. It's not impossible because of Jesus. Uh, Peter then gives another summary to his appeal in verses uh, 19 to 20. Um, this is what he says, For this is a gracious thing, when, mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. For what credit is it if, when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure? But if when you do good and suffer for it, you endure, this is a commendable before God. Peter is basically saying there, if you endure suffering because of yourself, well, you deserve that, right? It's normal, and you won't receive any credit or reward for that. But when you do good and still facing unjust suffering, it is a commendable before God. God's favor is upon you. God's grace is upon you. Now, as I prepared this sermon, I was trying to find examples. What does it look like to have unjust suffering? But I couldn't find anything better than what Peter offers in uh, verses 21 to 23. So this is what he offers, right? Uh, verse 21. To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, 
leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. Peter is basically saying, if you have been called to be a Christian, that you are called to experience unjust suffering. Your ultimate calling this morning is not to be a doctor, to be a student, to be a lawyer, to be a dentist, to be a full-time mom, to be a gospel worker, or whatever. You are a Christian who happened to be a doctor. You're a Christian who happened to be a lawyer, a dentist, not the other way around. And if you are a Christian, then it is expected for you to suffer because of your faith. But our God is so merciful. He, he doesn't leave us alone in this journey. He sent Jesus as, as an example to follow how to respond to the unjust suffering. Have a look in verse 22 today. Um, we find Jesus' Jesus's responses to unjust suffering, right? He, that is Jesus, committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. Uh, when they hurled their insults at him, he did not re- retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. What we can learn from Jesus there when it comes to unjust suffering is that he didn't re- retaliate. He, he didn't seek for revenge. But instead, he entrusted himself to God who judges justly. Jesus knows that God is in control. Right? He will be the one who judges all people. And God wants us to trust him as well as the ultimate judge. We don't have to go our way to seek a revenge. Even when we are being treated unfairly, unfairly by our boss or even by our society. And as we do that again and again, we are hopeful and prayerful that some people might be able to see Jesus in your life, in my life, and hopefully that can be a starting point for, for any co- gospel conversations, really. Okay, my last point, hopefully this one will be uh, a quick one. Um, we know it's still hard to follow Jesus' steps. We, we know it's still hard to follow Jesus' examples. Um, it's still hard to live as strangers uh, in this generation. Sometimes we get it. You know, other times well, we fail again and again. Uh, we know we should be abstaining uh, from our sinful behaviors. But before we know it, after this church, we might fall into the same sinful behavior. Um, We did that stupid mistake again in our lives. Oops, why I did it again? We know we should be submitting to government, but sometimes it's just hard, maybe even from obeying the traffic, uh, or perhaps, you know, not to cheat when you claim, uh, when you claim a tax return, or even doing any unethical things, right? In this society, there are so many temptations not to submit to government. We know we should be submitting to our boss, to our managers, but sometimes again and again, it, it, it's just hard. Right? I can talk all the, you know, a lot about this, but it's just hard when you go to your workplace. It's just hard when your boss is just like, always get cranky. It's just hard to submit to your boss. And I see you, friends. I hear you. It is hard. And it's going to be a long journey. But what gives us confidence that no matter what, Jesus will save us in the end? I think that's why Peter ends uh, the section with really encouragement. In fact, not just to end the section. He began the section with encouragement too. Uh, Quickly, if you go back to verse 11 there, um, it begins with um, the words, dear friends. Uh, The word friends there is not just a normal friendship. 
like we think in our modern days. Uh, the word friends there literally means loved by God. Loved by God. So when Peter gave this bunch of commands to submit examples, to live as strangers, uh, to uh, respect authorities, uh, respect your boss, it's not so that they will be loved by God. In fact, they are already loved by God. They have been saved from their sins. And how did that happen? Well, the answer is in verses 24 and 25. Um, 24 and 25. He, that is Jesus, himself bore our sins in his body on the cross, uh, that we might die to sin and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed, for you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your soul. Friends, Peter is saying here, we all like sheep have gone astray. We all have turned away from God. This is what we call sin. We all deserve the punishment for all the wrongdoings we have done in the past, in the present, but also in the future. It's not just in the past, not just in the present, but also in the future. But instead of us taking that punishment, Jesus made himself a substitute a substitute for us. He bore our sins on the cross so that we would be healed, so that we might die to sins, that is saying no to sins, and live for righteousness, saying yes to God. So it doesn't matter how hard is our struggle with our sins, our battle, our suffering, we already belong to the greatest shepherd, the overseer of our souls. He, he holds us tightly to himself. So tight that nothing in this world shall separate us from Him. We will be who we are supposed to be. Let me conclude, friends. Christians, if you have put your trust in Jesus, we are not who we were used to be. We are the old ones, you know. We are the strangers. We are just passing through. This is not our permanent place. Christians, we are who we are now and yet to be. We have been saved because of Jesus. We belong to Him now, but we're still stuck in this sinful flesh, still stuck in this world, still have to put up with our sins, put up with the sins of others. And the call is to stand out so that people also can be saved. And Christians will be who we are supposed to be. Jesus bore our sins on the cross. You know, that, that really gives us confidence, right? That really gives me confidence every time I wake up in the morning. I keep doing the same thing, fall into the same sinful behaviors, and then went to sleep, and then repeat and repeat again. I don't have confidence in my, in my life, right? I've been Christians for many, many years. I don't have confidence in my life. But because of Jesus, we're going to make it. He has secured our salvation in the future, not because what I've done, not because what you've done, but because what Jesus done on the cross. Let me pray. Gracious God, we, we thank you this morning. Lord, in our suffering and struggles, Lord, help us to remember that you know, we're just passing through this world is not our permanent home. Uh, help us to look forward to heaven when, when there is no more, no more pain and no more suffering. Lord, in our fear, in our, in our shame, help us to stand out in the society 
Help us to struggle with our sins. Help us to be a witness in all that we do so that through our lives and through the sharing of the word, people might be saved. Lord, in our despair and and hopelessness, help us to, to have confidence that we have in Jesus. We thank you that we are belong to you now. And thank you for the cross. Uh, we praise you for all you've done in and through us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Friends, as we go into uh, yeah, just a bit of reflection time, uh, let's reflect on these questions. What's something perhaps challenging, uh, but also comforting? 